Welcome to the Ditching Perfection podcast, a podcast that will help you pursue wholeness in Jesus rather than trying to have it all together. I'm your host, Carly Bartlett, and along the way, we're going to have some raw conversations and share some practical tips that will remind you to throw some confetti and celebrate yourself. Your inner critic does not have to be the dominant voice in your life anymore. Well, hey, friends, welcome back to the Ditching Perfection podcast. We're on episode 95. Can you believe it? Episode 100 is around the corner. So fun. So fun. I love these milestones. But episode 95, I am so excited that you are here to join us as my friend Tone Marshall is here today. And he's going to share with us about how the intersection of caring people and basketball led him to a relationship with Jesus during his college years. He's also going to share with us the importance of discerning what is good and what is God. And he'll talk about how daily repetition is actually long-term formation. You're going to love this conversation with Tone. We had the chance to hang out with Tone and his family recently. Just a couple of weeks ago when we were at Olivet Nazarene University, Mike and I went and I spoke in chapel and Mike created artwork that went along with my messages. And we got to spend a couple of days there right outside of Chicago at the university where Tone is the chaplain and he is leading the way with spiritual formation on that campus and doing an absolutely amazing job. And it was so fun when we were there to sit down with Tone and have a conversation to hear about all the ways that God has been at work in his life and in his story. And I know you are going to love this conversation with Tone, but let me tell you a little bit more about him before we dive in. Tone is the chaplain, like I said, at Olivet Nazarene University, and that is the school where he earned his degree and he played collegiate basketball. He also has a passion for youth sports and runs a nonprofit organization called Man on Fire, where he uses his experiences to help the next generation find authentic freedom in Christ. And Tone will talk about his family on the episode, but he's married to O'Malley, who is really fun, lovely. She's an amazing photographer. And the two of them have three super fun kids. Daxton, Barrow, and Haynes, and they have another baby on the way. Well, with all of that said, let's dive into this great conversation today with Tone Marshall. Well, hey, Tone, welcome to the Ditching Perfection podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited. glad you're here. It's fun. We're recording in your office. Yep. In, is this Bourbonnet or Kankakee? Bourbonnet. Bourbonnet, yep. Illinois. Yep. Yes. And we're at all of that because you invited Mike and I to come this week for the second week of the semester to do chapel. And oh, we were just saying it's been such a joy to be here. We are students are amazing. We are grateful to have you and excited for what you guys are going to help us build this semester. Well, thank you. We're so grateful to be here. But for the listeners of the podcast that have not yet met you, will you just share mm-hmm. a little bit about you and yeah. what you're up to these days? Yeah, so I'm Antonio Marshall. Some people call me Tone, and I am the chaplain at Olivet Nazarene University. Um, I've been married to my lovely wife, O'Malley Marshall, for nine years, going on 10 in July, um, June 1st. I said July, <laughs> June 1st. Summer, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Sometime around now. Um, and we have three amazing young men. Daxton, Barrow, and Haynes. And my wife is actually pregnant with our fourth child who will be a son as well. His name is Parker. 
We haven't parks, parks, and we haven't really okay. told people that parks. So are you good with this being the like release of the name? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think we've told everybody that needs to okay. know. So All the right. broader world. Newsflash: You just learned the name of the baby, everybody. <laughs> parks. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so it's been a unique season for myself. Actually, coming back to the school, all of that that I went to in my undergrad and played basketball and coached here. Um, so how was long that, have you been back? I've been role? I've been back for just over two years now. I came as the associate chaplain, but ten months into that role, um, got moved into the chaplain role. Okay, so, awesome. Yep. Okay, and you attended here. I attended here. Yes, ma'am. Here. Yep. And you came to play basketball. Came to play basketball. Yep. All right, and I don't know much of your story, but yeah. I'm excited to learn more. Yes, but uh, you didn't come as a believer. Did not. So talk to us about your college experience yep. and like fill in the pieces from coming as a yeah. an athlete, not yep. not knowing the Lord, to now being yeah. the university chaplain. Tell yes, us, very tell unique. Us the journey. I actually want to bring it back just a little bit more, yes, if that's okay. Do. So um, just come from a family. Mom and dad both have never really met their fathers before. So that's okay. a huge part of my own journey, mm-hmm. not having extended family and things like that. I was one of four boys. I was number three of four. Um and um, my my mom and my dad struggled with addiction to drugs and things like that. Mm-hmm. And the Church of the Nazarene for me was a huge um, was a huge, I guess, lift in my life. Was God's provenient grace to me um, because whenever I was around eight or nine years old, we were involved in an apartment fire in Indianapolis, Indiana, and that sort wow. of changed the trajectory of my life because we went from inner city Louisville to inner city Indianapolis where the, where the fire happened. And then we moved to rural Spencer, Indiana, where we were one of the only African-American families there. Um, and that shaped a lot of who I became. But one of the most important things that happened while I was there was that a landlord who saw my family struggling um, on drugs and just struggling to make ends meet allowed us to move into a trailer that he owned um, for very cheap, and we come to later find out that he was a pastor of a very small um, Nazarene church, Jordan Village Church of the Nazarene. Mm. And he started inviting me and my family there. And it was really because that pastor in 2000, 1999, um, invited us to start coming to our his church after inviting us really to live in um, a trailer of his that I was able to attend Nazarene district events and mm-hmm. then attend Nazarene regional events. And it was here during Celebrate Life um, that I got recruited to play basketball here in 2006, 2007. And it was because of Celebrate Life that I got recruited to come. So I I come on campus um, knowing that it is a Christian campus, having gone to church for a while, but really never really seeing really the fruit of a Christ-centered life in the home and what that does. Uh, And so I came to all of that in 2007 to play basketball. That was the only reason why I was here to play basketball. Um, I decided to um, major in elementary education because Mr. Petrie, my fourth grade teacher. Mm. Um, <laughs> and so it was over here that I really like struggled through what is the Christian life? What is it really? What does it mean to really acknowledge Jesus as Savior and Lord, live for him? Yeah. was challenged. Um, people like Lamoris Crawford, um, mm-hmm. who was an African-American who had life change spoke into me um, and spoke in chapel and gave me a um, vision for what my life could be that I hadn't seen before. Mm. Um, and so then I um, 
through a long series of events, actually acknowledge Jesus as Savior and Lord going into my super senior year. Okay. So going wow. into my fifth year. Yeah. Um, and that kind of, yeah, that's a little bit of wow. my journey. Oh my goodness. Amazing. Yeah. I love that you mentioned prevenient grace. Yep. That God is always going before, always pursuing us. Yep. And how those moments growing up that you mentioned and sending the pastor that helped with housing, like that yep. was God's prevenient grace. Yep. Like, oh, over and over. Uh, we just see the faithfulness of God. Yes, ma'am. What is a story when you look back at your time at Olivet, even before you had said yes to Jesus's invitation to be yep. in relationship? What is a time where you're like, I can look back and see God's fingerprints on that situation? Man, there were, I don't, there's so many that I could recall. Um, I think one of the, one of the biggest ones for me was just a season of my life where I was really struggling through um, the war, um, like feeling like God has called me, but looking at my life and really even seeing some people on campus and being like, why would God want me? There's so many other people that don't struggle with the things that I struggle with that haven't gone through the things that I have gone through. Um, but yet still feeling this real tug, like God is still calling me, but mm -hmm. struggling with that and knowing that I had addiction issues. And so there was a period in my junior year where, um, I came here for basketball. And I got in trouble at the end of my sophomore year, um, where going into my junior year, I wasn't able to play basketball for the first six games. Um, so I wasn't able to do the very thing that I was here for. And I was really wrestling with mm -hmm. the flesh and the spirit, the spirit calling me, but the flesh really wanting to have its way. And um, just like God meeting me in that season um, through my coaches through um, our chaplain, our basketball team chaplain, Leon Blanchett, who ended up marrying my wife and I. Um, God really meeting me in a tangible way. And at the end of that season, me coming to a place where I just kind of realized like there is no other hope. Like I'm going to let go of all of this and and, and really say, Jesus, you can have my life. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. Amazing. I love thinking about the people too. Yep. The people that have played a role in all of that. And you yes, mentioned several names. And um, now you are someone that is getting to speak into college. Yes, ma'am. And as other students here recount, like in years down the road, recount their stories, yep. they're going to talk about you. Yes, ma'am. Which is so cool. And I'm sure very humbling. It's when Mike and I work with college students, we feel the same way. What a yes. gift. But I want to ask you, when you're working with college students and leading in the ways that you're leading, how does your own past and your perspective and the things that you've walked yep. through, how does that shift the way you yeah. minister? And how do you feel like God has, has then equipped you in a unique way to minister yeah. to students now? Yeah. So the college community as a whole is a shifting dynamic, um, especially on Christian campuses where we don't have as many. Um, it used to be on Christian campuses. For the most part, it was majority Christian and people who had grown up in the church with healthy families. And now we know the dynamics of even the family, even within Christian community and church. Um, people have a lot of hurt that comes from church and a lot of hurt that comes from family. Yeah. And so they bring that onto campus. Um, and I feel like the Lord has uniquely um, given me a past and brought me out of some things that I'm able to use that experience um, to really help people. So here at Olivet, we, we talk about, we, we have a slogan, we believe, period, you belong here. Mm -hmm. um, and honestly, it was in COVID, in the middle of me wrestling through God, um, what God was wanting to do in my own life, um, what was God was doing in my relationship with him, 
also how I was struggling with family and things of that nature that the Lord um, actually called me to write a curriculum called the belong curriculum. Mm. And we really focus on four main points of belonging, um, which are belonging to God, belonging to the truest version of self, belonging to family, both traditional, our, our blood relatives, but yeah. also function, functional family. Mm-hmm. So those who function as our family and then re- belonging to the world and what it looks like to be in the world, but not of the world, Right. Um, not be conformed to the world, but mm-hmm. be a part of God's work and what he's doing in the world. Totally. And so it was actually some of my past that then I was able, God was working with me during COVID. And then God called me here where we believe you belong here. And I was able to use some of the very things that God was working in, working in me and on me um, to really help students to understand here. What does it really mean to belong to God? Hmm. What does it really mean to belong to yourself in, in such a way that you have allowed God to show you the way that you are created, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made? What does it look like for you to not live out of the flesh self, but live out of the spirit self? What does it look like for you as you um, leave traditional family to still honor traditional family, heal maybe from the wounds of traditional family? Yeah. But Find functional family. Find those on this campus who you're going to have functional family with. Um, and honestly, brothers and sisters that are going to walk alongside of you for the rest of your life, we right, know. Right. Um, and what does it look like for you to like partner with God and what he's doing um, in the world? Mm-hmm. And so it really has been a lot of um, the things that he has brought me out of. Um, I have a mentor, David Wine, who he looked at me one day and he said, Tone, it's almost like you've been blessed so that you can be a blessing. I think that sounds biblical. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, honestly, that's what it really feels like yeah. in these days is that the Lord has blessed me um, by transforming me and then allowing me to use some of those things to be a blessing to others. Mm, so good. So thinking back to your childhood and some of those like early formative times, it sounds like there's a lot of hard stuff. Yes, and, ma'am. You know, you mentioned a fire and you mentioned challenges for your parents with addiction and yep. and things like that. So if there are people listening that yep. are feeling like the transformation hasn't happened, they haven't seen the yep. light at the end of the tunnel, and they're just sitting in the really hard season, yeah. and they're going, where is God? Yep. What would you say to someone like that? Yeah. Um, I think the most important thing to me is um, just to trust in his faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That he is a God who used Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He worked through that lineage, um, and um, we know that there was trauma there. We 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 can see the reality of Abraham after twenty five years, like of God shaping and molding, lying and saying that his wife was his sister several times, yeah. and then Isaac doing the same thing, and then Isaac's sons Jacob and Esau wrestling with each other, and. Um, Jacob really struggling. And we see even Jacob's sons um, really throwing away the life of Joseph. And like Joseph at the end of his life, um, at the end of his days, he says that everything that people, the devil meant for evil, God used for good. And Mm -hmm. so just holding on to the hope of the faithfulness of God. But also, I think um, for people who are struggling, I think there really is a... um, there, there really is an important thing that I've learned and it is the people of God are the family of God are an, are an amazing balm, 
are an amazing thing to help us get through um, whatever we might be experiencing alone or even whatever it is that we might be experiencing because of traditional family. Um, yeah. It's been because of functional family that I am who I am today. Mm. If it wasn't for, um, I could name dozens of people, the Purcells, yeah. the Schimmelfinnings, um, Miss McBride, my high school guidance counselor, mm. um, if it wasn't for Leon Blanchett, if it wasn't for those people in my life, Pastor Craig, um, that I would not be who I am today. And so it'd be holding on to God's faithfulness, knowing that even these things that are are hard in our life that we perceive to be bad, that God could use them for good. Yeah. And then attaching yourself to healthy people, attaching yourself to the family of God and allowing the family of God, um, the people of God to be a healing balm for you yeah. and to provide the things that you need. Mm, so good. So how have you figured out who's a healthy person to connect to? How do you, how do oh, you, man. because you know, sometimes it, it's hard to know yes, how ma'am. to connect and yep. who, who to be able to be safe to be vulnerable with. Yep. So what are some like markers of a healthy person in your mind that has, <laughs> has like helped you feel like they're yes, a safe ma'am. person to attach yep. your yourself to? Yeah. Um, I will, I will say first and foremost, I think it, it takes wisdom beyond human understanding to yeah. know. I think it takes discernment that only comes from the Lord because there are times where I perceive that people are healthy and then I later find out no. And there are times that I perceive that some people are unhealthy or like that doesn't seem like my type of person. Um, And the Lord just shows me, no, they really are a person that can be very helpful to your own health. And so I think it first and foremost starts with a humility to admit that with our own eyes, we can't necessarily know or see everything, but to allow God to help us to discern who those people are. Um, Another thing for me, I I think it's important um, to have people who have actually gone through um, some things Mm -hmm. and who are willing to share about it and who are willing to help you to journey with you, not just for your own sake, but also see you as a partner with them. Yeah. Um, I don't love the thought of, even those type of mentor relationships only being about um, the mentee, but really seeing it as a partnership and growing mm-hmm. together. Yeah. Um, and so I always love that. Um, and someone who actually exemplifies the spiritual life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, one of the things that's been very, very important is not just someone who um, has a lot of knowledge about God, someone who knows God, Mm -hmm. someone who has intimacy with God, someone who cares about um, letting the spirit lead them. Yeah. Um, Those are markers to me that are very, very important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I agree with you. I just started yesterday when we were flying here, the book Practicing the Way by John Mark Comer. Okay. And he's talking about being an apprentice of Jesus. It's Mm -hmm. easy to say you're a Christian and here's like the beliefs that you hold to to actually be an apprentice yes, like ma'am. spending time with jesus yep. doing what jesus did like that yes is so important well thank you for sharing that because i think that you know you mentioned earlier church hurt and disappointment and you know we have all had those kind of stories where we've felt let down by someone and maybe someone in the church yes ma'am but to not throw the baby out with the bathwater, yeah. to not like completely just throw a stick of dynamite in the capital c church yes, ma'am. Um, because 
Yes, there are people that will disappoint us. Yes. The Lord will not. Yep. And like you said, there will be healthy people along, along the way that will really be a balm for our souls, but also people that we can partner with as we yeah. continue to move forward. I just see so many young people, and you probably do too, that are um, that have had a really hard experience with church. Yep. And not to discount that in any way, but unfortunately that that isolated church event or that isolated church season has yes, caused ma'am. them to walk away, yeah. um, which is such a sad thing. So I just love your reminder yeah. that like we will find people, healthy people yes, to ma'am. attach to. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, okay. This is the Ditching Perfection podcast. Okay. So I'm curious to know yeah. uh, about your relationship with perfectionism. Yes, and ma'am. if that's not something you've struggled with, maybe anything yep. connected to that yeah. realm in any way, yep. what's, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So I was really struggling with this. We talked yeah. a little bit about it. Yeah. Um, perfectionism for many reasons, especially in my Christian life has not been, um, I came in very aware that I had weaknesses. I, I came in because I was at the lowest moment, mm. um, struggling with addiction, struggling with weakness, not feeling worthy enough. And so I think I came in with this understanding like, yeah, I'm not perfect. Um, but one of the things about my journey that has always been there, I see myself as kind of like a Jacob, a deceiver, a performer. I'm a number three on the Enneagram. Okay, yeah. um, and so, yes, uh-huh. <laughs> yes, ma'am. And so um, for me, um, my story, some of that comes back to um, some of the ways in which I was raised. And um, so I grew up with a dad who didn't have a dad. So his way of showing us love was like, hey, you have food on the table, you have a roof above your head, you got clothes on your back, you're loved. But it was never quite said that way. I mean, it was never said, I love you. Mm-hmm. Also, um, from third grade through 12th grade, and even here at Olivet, some, um, I grew up as one of the only African Americans in the community. And so racism played a huge part in my life. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's one thing, it, it's just an interesting dynamic to be made fun of because of the color of your skin and kind of be told that you don't belong, you don't fit in. But then because you are good at a sport, when it comes to recess or when it comes to picking or choosing teams, then all of a sudden you get picked. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of taught me that your value only came when with performance or that my value came with how well I could perform. Okay. And so I kind of took that into my Christian walk. Um, and, and the Lord has really been working with me on that. But it really is something that um, for me, um, a lot of my life has been if you perform well enough, people will like you, you will get accolades, people will love you. So it's not as much about, hey, be perfect, but it's more like my worth comes from performing. Just a quick okay. story really quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and this, this really summarizes what the Lord has done in my life. So one of the key things about me, um, a slogan for myself is, God has taken me on a journey from performer to position. Um, and um, my middle name is Dewell. Antonio Dewell Marshall, which is a very unique, literally do well together, the two words into one. D-O-W-E-L-L. Yes, ma'am. And and my dad speaks Uh it over me as a blessing. Uh He really does. I always knew you were going to do well from the moment I saw you. Wow. Okay. But was what was a blessing really was a curse because of because of the life that I lived in my experiences of life taught me that you're only worthy of love if you do well. Okay. And so it really was like, it felt like a curse. 
in in some ways because it was like yeah love is something like we're supposed to all receive in belonging but for me it was only if you do well at something will you be loved well as a christian moving in 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 going into the church I shared with my youth group one day how the Lord was like working with me on this and how I'm still working and struggling through. And we all have our names that we've been given. And Jacob was given Jacob, yeah. but God called him Israel, but he still knew Jacob. Um, and, and John Bischoff, um, this amazing man, comes to me afterwards and he goes, I have a new name for you. And he says, well done. Oh, and um, while my name is still do well, um, I resonate so much. And that's the position of life that I walk from is knowing that at the end, I'm going to hear well done, good and faithful servant. So just walk, walking and living in life from that place versus I must do well in order to receive that love. Mm -hmm. um, just living from well done. Wow. I'm so glad you shared that story. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So on a day-to-day -day basis, how does that change the way that you view your work and you view yes, family life and you view the tasks ahead? Yes, How does that change things? Yeah. I think for me, it is what is um, like, I think about, we have a term here called spiritual life at all of that. Um, and there's no spiritual life without the spirit. There's no fruit without abiding. Um, and so for me, there's, there's no results. There's no success that comes apart from actually being with God. And so it really starts for me with being alone with God, um, taking time to be in silence, to get into God's word and allow him to speak to me and allow everything that I do really to flow from there, to flow from this understanding. So almost every single morning, as best as I can, I wake up. Some days it's one of my kids with me. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, when you have all those young kiddos, yes, it can be hard sometimes. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. And sometimes it's alone. But I have a practice of I have had a mentor who has helped me to answer three questions. Who am I? Why do I exist? And, um, and how do I do that? And so I've answered those questions. And it really starts with me getting alone with God, um, rehashing those questions every single day. Who am I? I am Imsilapete, the joyful one. I am well done. I am a father. I am a husband. I am a beloved son of God, and I am a shepherd. Um, how do I do that? I, uh, well, not how do I do that. Why do I exist? I exist to be the joyful one. I exist to leave a legacy of faith in the Marshall family. I exist to partner with God to set every heart ablaze. I exist to lead leaders who lead leaders. Um, and then, and then how do I do that? I do that in the unique ways that I intentionally love my family, in the ways that I um, shepherd people, in the ways that I prioritize soul transformation, and then call people to do that same thing. So it really starts with me yeah. um, being able to know exactly who God has called me to be, allow his word to speak to me, strengthen me, and then move in my day from that. It, it has allowed me, it has freed me from the performance mm -hmm. to say, even if what I'm doing um, is not a performance that you deem worthy, this is what I know God has called me to be successful in. Yeah. This is what I, this is who I know that I am. Mm -hmm. And so that has freed me to say yes to the right things, to say no to the things that might be good, but aren't God. 
aren't God's call for my life. Yeah. And that has been really the way. Now, there's so many other nuances. How do I go about doing my work? How do I go about being a chaplain? How do I go about being a dad? But honestly, none of that matters to me as much as it is having the starting point of being alone with God, allowing yeah. the spirit to speak to me and show me how to move. And then knowing who God has called me to be and living from that. If yeah. not, I will quickly go back to mm. performing, deceiving, being a number three, <laughs> being yeah, the three, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, instead of living from wholeness, mm -hmm. living from relationship with God. Yeah. So you repeat those same three questions every day? Every single day. Talk to me about the power of repetition. Yeah. And why that's important in our, in our relationship yes, with God. It's just been interesting to me. Um, because over 10 years now, um, you've been doing it for 10 years, I've 10 years of doing, repeating things. And like, this yeah. has been a new thing within the last year, but it was interesting. Even with my spiritual life leaders, we read our theme like chapter together. And it was crazy because in second Corinthians five, Paul is writing and he's saying like, you are a new creation. You're a new creation in Christ. The old you is gone. The new has come. And I actually, I hadn't thought about it at all. But Lamoris Crawford in like 2013, 10 years ago, sent me a whole list of scriptures and he had his name in them. And one of them was mm. 2 Corinthians 5 verses like 14, 15, 16, 17. And I remember like reading Lamoris is a new creation in Christ. The old Lamoris is gone. Mm. Behold, the new Lamoris has come. Yeah. And then he's like, bro, like fill your name. <laughs> so yes. I filled my name, Antonio's. And it was 10 years later. And the Lord helped me to recall, but it's crazy because 10 years ago I was struggling with addiction and like, God, what are you going to make of my life? What's going to happen? 10 years later, I'm reading this and I'm living into the fruit of Antonio's a new creation in Christ. Yes. And I'm getting to see the work that God did. And I think that is the blessing of repetition. And for me, the reason why those three questions are so important mm -hmm. because I get lost. Mm -hmm. There's a quote that I just read. Um, from Henry now, and, and he said something along the lines of, we know what home is, but we often get distracted and we live like we are homeless people without a home. Mm. And what he was really saying was, whenever we don't, whenever we don't take the time to like tell our, to repeat to ourselves, to know what home is. For me, yeah. home is, who am I? That, that centers me. Why do I exist? Mm -hmm. And how do I do that? That provides home for me. And if I don't repeat that regularly, I will lose track of where home is and I will live as if I'm homeless. Mm. And um, I've done that too much, even in my Christian walk, that I don't want to do that. So I repeat it every yes. single day. I repeat it every single day so that I do not have to honestly live like I'm homeless. I know yeah. where home is. I know mm -hmm. where I'm supposed to abide. And yeah. that has helped me to like live centered. Mm, so good. Yeah. And I think there's something so valuable about those, those spiritual practices and the repetition because we can so easily get lost. Yes. Right. I yes. Mean, and, and in the day and age that we live in with just so we're so fast paced. We have all the world at our fingertips yep. with our phones, yes, social media, da, da, da. Yep. we can easily get lost. Yeah. And so those just, root us and ground us and yep. transform us as we as we repeat yep. i uh every night before i put our kids to bed i repeat to them you are loved 
you are safe and secure yes, and you are good yep. every night. Yes. Every night. That. And now yep. it's like our both girls, they say it with me. And they look forward and to it and all of those and things. Now we have yes. a cheer, you yep. know, and now they've added yep. you are loved, safe, good, exclamation point. Yay. <laughs> and we do like a little cheer. Love that. But, oh man, when they, when they come into a hard, a hard thing yeah. or where, you know, Lulu has come home from school and she's real distraught or yep. something or, you know. Whatever, whatever happens in their days, I I can say, okay, what is true about you? Come on. And they're like, I'm loved, safe, and good. Return. Like, oh, yes, Return yes, yes. home. And yet, you know what? I need to remember that Amen. too. Amen. And yeah. so I'm constantly reminding myself, okay, yes, because ma'am. of God's presence with me, I am yep. loved, safe, and good. And I can tell myself that and hear that from the Lord yep. so many times in the day, and I still need it yes, repeated. Ma'am. So the power of repetition is it's so huge. important. And yes, I love that, that God is... This is, I don't even know where I got that and how we started that. Thank you, Lord. Um, <laughs> but the gift of that for our yes, whole family ma'am. has it's been, been good. has been real sweet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, th- I learned something. I just want to share it uh, over the past year um, at Transforming Center with Ruth Haley Barton. Um, one of the quotes that she uses or a theologian um, said at one point that um, the devil has like a second agenda for the Christian where it's not just good versus evil or flesh versus spirit. But although we still struggle in our flesh and we don't conquer it like completely where we never struggle at all, never even think about things that we're not supposed to, but it was the devil will actually tempt us with distractions from our mission where it's not just good versus evil, but it's actually good versus God. And I think not having home, not having home and not repeating to yourself you can get lost in doing a lot of good that isn't necessarily what God has specifically for you and what mm. he created you for. And so that's been important to me to yeah. not get distracted, even with good things. Yes, that's good. Bob Goff tells a story of an Olympic um, archery guy, okay. archer, whatever, I don't know. <laughs> but he tells a story about how he hit a bullseye and the crowd did not go wild. Because the guy was aiming for the wrong target. He got the bullseye, but it wasn't the right thing. And so what a devastation that was. Like it matters that we are focusing on the right thing. Yes, ma'am. And the thing that God has for us. Because that bullseye was good, but it wasn't the right right thing. thing. So I think that's an important reminder for all of us. Yes, ma'am. Is there anything else about ditching perfection, about performance, anything else about spiritual practices before we hit our last two segments that you just yeah. want to share with our listeners today? Um, I think the most important thing for me um, on the journey is to be patient with yourself. I think yeah. God, it's his, it's in his kindness that he leads us to repentance. And even for ourselves, I think it's in our kindness. Um, I've learned that grace is such a blessing because it's not that it just allows... A, it lets us off the hook, but I think it allows for us to be a learner. Mm-hmm. If my failure does not determine my position per se, if God has already sent Jesus Christ to die on a cross for my sins and he doesn't want me to live in condemnation or shame, that means that um, I get an opportunity to be a learner. Why did I choose to go this way instead of that way? Mm, and yeah. I think there's too many people, myself included, probably the biggest one, that live and sit in shame and condemnation and waste a lot of energy in that space rather than allowing God's grace to get us out of shame and condemnation 
and to partner with God. So God, can you show me why it is that I would, that I would choose? Cause I know this is not God. Can you, I know your grace has covered me. Can you please show me why it is that I'm choosing this way yeah. um, versus that versus, versus your way. And so I think um, just being kind to yourself on the journey, I think God is patient with us. It's in his kindness that he draws mm-hmm. us into repentance. And so for us, we can be kind to ourselves as we learn how to change ways yes. rather than um, living in shame and condemnation. Mm-hmm. So good. So good. Yeah. Thank you. Welcome. Okay, our last two segments. Yes, ma'am. The first is a celebration moment. Yes, ma'am. So often we can be unkind to ourselves yep. and kind of beat ourselves up over the things that we wish we would have done differently or we didn't think that it was flawless or whatever. Yep. So a discipline that we have on the podcast and in our Ditching Perfection community is stopping and throwing ourselves a party, throwing a little <laughs> yes, confetti. Ma'am. So how can you do that for you today? Yes, ma'am. This is going to sound so petty, and I don't mean it to be that way. God has blessed me with a position that does allow for me to have opportunities that others may not have regularly. NYC was an amazing thing. It opened up doors and pathways, but also one of the things that I learned over the last year as um, I got announced as an NYC pastor and as I was a chaplain, that all of these open doors led to opportunities for me to speak and share and um, do in part what I felt like God was calling me to do. But over the past year, as I was doing all of those things and I was traveling, I was also missing key moments with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started to realize there's a deeper desire for me really um, to live into what I repeat every day, yeah. um, to leave a legacy of faith in my family more than being on a stage. Yeah. Um, and so one of the things I'm very, very proud of is that for the most part, um, I have made it my mission to say no this year (laughs) (laughs) because I often say yes. I often say yes and yes and yes and yes, um, to every opportunity that comes my way. But I think the Lord has blessed me in this season of my life to say everything that you have given me is enough in almost every other opportunity that comes my way, because I know that I'm full and you have blessed me with what I have. Almost every other opportunity is going to be a no for now, which me learning to exercise the no muscle (laughs) is something that is (laughs) is really hard. And so I know it sounds a little petty. I'm saying no to opportunities and things like that. But for me, it is a growth opportunity for me to say, um, while these opportunities are great and amazing, I no longer um, am striving to get on a stage, to get a bigger platform have more people to follow me. Um, I have the things that God has called me to do. And I just want to live into those to the best of my God-given ability. Yeah, that's awesome. And there may be some people out there listening that need to know that it is more than okay to say no. Yes, ma'am. Sometimes it feels really scary to say no because we are afraid that a door will close or that we're sabotaging our own future or whatever. But if we're, it goes back to what you were saying earlier about is it good or is it God? Yes, ma'am. And if it's God, then God knows how everything fits and yes, what ma'am. is best yeah. for us and for the kingdom and all of the things. Yes, so, ma'am. Yes, that's a really great thing. I love Thank that. You. That's a really important thing to celebrate. Yes, ma'am. Our last segment is the no. baseball moment. <laughs> I knew it was coming. So, some embarrassing <laughs> moment, some funny story that just reminds you to laugh at yourself and it's okay yes, to not have it all together yes, all the time. Yes, ma'am. Man. 
<laughs> what is it? Let's hear it. Yeah, so NYC. So we had been gathering together with all of the um, NYC pastors, and we knew that we were going to um, have a moment at the beginning on the first day where we almost had these like soliloquies and we had like oh, yeah. um, poems and stuff that we, we were, were like, going to do. standing around the, yes, ma'am. the arena, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. And so um, we, the day before, got there and we solidified who was going to take what part of the poem and where they were going to go and things like that. And I don't know how they did it. There's some very gifted and talented people, Shane, Stephanie, Brady. They, it's almost like they memorized it like so quickly. I did not. And I was like struggling within an hour of like finalizing what we were going to do and who was going to do what we basically went out to practice. Um, and everyone else was practicing. We're live, like we're, we're getting ready for the next day. We're getting ready for the start yeah. of this. And everyone was like doing their lines um, in this, in the stadium without looking at their phones or anything. So I wanted to do it. And like, I tried it, it got to my part, came around and I tried it and I completely like <laughs> Eminem moment. Oh, I no. just froze. Oh, no. And I was like, can we please start it up? <laughs> and I was, I was so embarrassed, especially the performer side of me. Yeah. I wanted to show that I was worthy and everybody else had it. Everyone else felt like they seemed like they were good. And I totally was not. Um, and so it was a, it was a hard moment for me. I spent time practicing. Um, that night, I stayed up struggling over it, anxiety, yeah. um, and just memorized it. And the next day, no one would have known. It's true. Um, and I had to trust in God because um, it was just one of those things where it was like, I don't, some of the fear of it happening again was actually producing more fear and causing me to like, yes. um and so it was one of those moments, but the Lord helped me to come through and it was a blessing. Yes. But still to those people in that who were there for the practice, um, it still is one of those things where it's like, y'all all know I was not worthy in that moment, <laughs> but the Lord, but the yes, Lord. Yes. And so that was, that was something, even whenever I hear that song, there is a cloud. I get a, I get this oh, feeling in my stomach. During that song. Yes, ma'am. Oh, I get a feeling in my body, like <laughs> Lord, not again. Oh no. Yes, that's ma'am. funny. Well, we were there, and obviously not at the rehearsal, but we were yep. there in the whole thing. Yes, ma'am. Never would have known there was any blunders the day before, so it's all good. And we've all had those moments. Yeah, we have. Where it's like, whoop, that is not in my brain anymore. Yeah. So yep. it's all good. You're in yes, good company. Ma'am. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you for everything you shared today. Just so grateful for all the wisdom and the vulnerability and the insight. If anyone is interested in connecting with you after this, how would they best do that? I think the best thing would be to go to Olivet's website. You could probably find my email there. If not, it's admarshall at olivet.edu um, and would love to chat. You can also find me on Facebook, Instagram um, under Antonio Marshall or Tone Marshall. Um, and connect in that way. Awesome. And if people want to hear you preach, they can do that on the Olivet website too, Yes, right? ma'am. Yes, okay. ma'am. Awesome. Well, thanks for doing this today. Appreciate you. You are very welcome. I appreciate you. Well, I'm so grateful for this conversation with Tone today. Didn't he share so much wisdom? Oh my goodness. I will be thinking so much about several parts of our conversation, but thinking about when I need to say yes and when I need to say no 
I'll be thinking about what is good and what is God. And I will also be thinking about the posture of hearing well done instead of living under the pressure of do well. Another thing that I will be mulling over, and I invite you to mull over as our prayer prompt today, is thinking through the three questions that Tone repeats and sifts through with the Lord every day. And so this week, I encourage you to think about those three questions, and I will share them again with you as a refresher here in a second. But to do that, to go over these questions for the next five days and pray through them, journal about them, talk to friends and family about them, but keep them in the forefront of your mind and just see what God might do. So here are the three questions. Number one, who am I? And really be thinking about who God has created you to be. You may even need to ask God to help you peel back some of the layers of identity statements that you have believed about yourself, maybe lies or or hurtful words that have been spoken over you. And you may need to say, okay, Lord, help me be reminded of who I am in you, who I truly am created to be. So that's number one. The number two is why do I exist? Or another way to say that is what are the purposes that you have given to me, Lord? Sometimes we fixate on thinking we need to have one singular purpose, and we might. Some of you might feel like you have one purpose, but others of you may have purposes that that change with different seasons. But what are the purposes that God has given to you? Be asking that. Be sifting through that with the Lord. And then finally, the third question is, how do I do that? Or another way to say that is, how do I live into the identity and the purposes that you've given to me, what does it look like for me to partner with you, God, to take action and really take steps forward to live into this, not live into the lies, not live into other people's expectations, not live with worry and fear of failure dominating my story, but instead, how do I live into who you've created me to be and what purposes you have for me in this season? So I encourage you to be mulling over that and sifting through that with the Lord. And once again, those three questions are, who am I? Why do I exist? And how do I do that? And I would love to hear from you after you've been sifting through this for the next five days. So feel free to send me an email at carlycommunicates at gmail.com and let me know what God is doing and what God is stirring in you. Well, it has been a joy to be together, and I am just grateful for this community, grateful for all the ways that you encourage me in my ditching perfection journey. I am still on the journey with you, and if there's any way that I can encourage you in your journey, please let me know. You can connect with me once again on that same email address I just shared, or you can connect with me throughout the week on Instagram. And then if this conversation has been helpful for you, I would just ask a couple of things. One, would you take a moment and rate and review the show? This really just helps get the ditching perfection message to other listeners who may benefit from being a part of this community. And secondly, I would love for you to share this conversation with any friend or family member who comes to mind as you're thinking about all that we talked through today. So you can send a quick text message, you can share on social media, but we just love for you to think of one friend who may be encouraged by this conversation. All right, friends, I so appreciate you. And I look forward to connecting with you again next Tuesday here on the Ditching Perfection podcast.